2 Thessalonians chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we uh, pray for help today. Lord, especially today, God, where we're looking at a, a topic instead of just uh, a passage of Scripture. Um, Father, we have full confidence in your word. We have less confidence, God, when we, when we are, are, are taking many Scriptures and, and, and pooling together what we think about a topic. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us and that you would help us to think, to stay engaged in the Scriptures. And, Father, that you would do great things in in us and through us, that you would transform us to make us into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. What I would like to do today is step out of 1 John for one Sunday, and I want to talk to you on the subject of resolutions. <clears throat> now, if I have talked to you in the last week or so, uh, I have probably asked you about what your resolutions were, what your godly resolves. That's usually the way I phrase it. What are, what are your godly resolves for 2015? Now, uh, if you've known me for very many years, you expected it. In fact, I had some guys uh, text me this week and say, I knew you are going to be asking, so here you go, you know. And uh, my family expects it. In fact, my, my daughter Hannah printed out a, a sheet for every one of my kids where they wrote their 2014, kind of how they did, uh, their experiences, their best experiences, what they, you know, just kind of a, a year in review, and then they wrote out their 2015. Even Haven, even my seven-year-old has, you know, she had wrote in the things that she hopes to accomplish in the next year, what she wants God to do in her, and so that that's just a, a big part of kind of how I think, okay? I think that way for our church. I think that way about my Christian life, and um, but what I understand is that many of you do not, and so... What I want to do today is try to make a case for how we should think about that in a biblical way, okay? And again, I know many of you don't, don't believe in or don't like or don't do New Year's resolutions, and, and I think I get why, uh, but, but many of you answered sarcastically when I asked you this week, you know, uh, you have any resolutions? You know, I bet I heard this 10 times. I resolve not to make any resolutions, you know? It was really funny, the first five. After that, it's kind of like, yeah, I heard this. Um. But I understand why, okay? And, and, and the reason I think many of you don't do that is because maybe we're not talking about the same thing, okay? Maybe what I'm talking about is different than what you're thinking of because what our culture describes as New Year's resolutions is really not at all what I'm talking about, okay? Let me give you an example of that. All I did is Googled, I just went to my Google search engine, famous people's resolutions, okay? Here's what I got. By the way, these folks are famous. I don't know any of them, you know, so... I don't know who famous people are, evidently. Rex Ryan, former New York, New York, New York Jets head coach. Here's his resolution. I kind of like this guy. At least he's honest. I'm trying not to cuss as much. That's it. I don't cuss in front of reporters. I do cuss on the field sometimes, he said. Okay. Shanina Shae. I don't even know how to say this gal's name, but, but I thought... She's interesting from this aspect, her job. Victoria's Secret model, okay? Listen to what her resolution is. Just to remain myself. Remain humble. 
All right, does nobody else see the irony in that? This is a lady who makes her living by flaunting her naked body in underwear, okay? And she says, I want to remain humble. In other words, she's already got it down. She got humility down. She just wants to remain. Stay. I, I thought it was incredibly ironic. Work hard, just be happy and healthy. Okay, good. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley, British actress, every year, top of my list, a New Year's resolution is eat more healthy, more exercise, and go to bed early. She's not going to do anything. That's pretty much what that means. Uh, Ryan Seacrest. Now, I do know this guy's name, um, but I, I, don't, I can't picture what he does or anything, but I, I have heard that name. Ryan Seacrest. <clears throat> Man, this blows me away. Here's his resolution. This is in USA Today. Next year, I'm going to try to find my dog, Ginger, a soulmate. Now, I'm not a veterinarian, but we had one at Fifth Street, and I went in and confirmed this. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of in my life. I mean, for real. And so, I, I guess here's what I'm going. I, if that's what you're thinking of, like when I say New Year's resolution, that's the kind of stuff you think of. Well, I, I know why you poo-poo it. I, I mean, I, I understand that. I understand why you give me a sarcastic answer, okay? But let me, let me, let me just try to explain the rest of the sermon. Here's what I mean, okay? Here's what I mean, okay? I am standing on some scriptural premises. Here's what I'm standing on today in, in asking you this question, what are your godly resolves? I am standing on the premise, number one, that God, if you're a born-again believer here today, okay, that means you're joined to Jesus Christ in a faith relationship, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. If that is true of you today, then the Bible is very clear that God is at work and He will not stop being at work transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Okay, do you understand that? That's what the Bible very clearly says. Romans 8, 29 says, Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. That is what God is doing in born-again believers, okay? God did not save you for no purpose. If you are saved here today, if you have Christ in your life today, that is not simply so you go to heaven and not hell. God has a bigger purpose in your salvation. God is saving you for His glory that He might transform you into the image of His Son to make you like Jesus Christ, to make you holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. You could say this a lot of different ways. Listen to this. But as He who called you as holy, you also ought to be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall, notice, notice the verb, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Do you hear what God is saying there? You will be holy as I am holy. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, even now more in my presence, much more in my absence, work out your salvation. That, there's your result. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Isn't that exciting, Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church? It is God who is working in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. A verse we go to almost every week, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, I love the word, transformed into the same image, into the image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now literally, we could spend the next 40 minutes just reading those kind of verses because they are everywhere in the New Testament. Everywhere, God is saying, I am doing this in you. I am making you into the image of my Son. I'm making you holy. I'm giving you a mission. I'm giving you a calling. Over and over and over, everywhere in the New 
Testament, the Bible is saying God is at work in believers, okay? God does not save you and just leave you alone and you just live out your life just like you were going to live it except you go to heaven and not hell. No, that's not the purpose of, the, of salvation, okay? God is doing something in believers and because of that, we ought to aim high. I mean, if you, if you, if you embrace that today, the God of the, of the universe who spoke the stars and the Milky Way into existence is inside of you. And He is at work. He is resolved to transform you. Now, if you believe that, you, you've got to shoot high, right? You've, you've got to say, man, God's working. God's working. He's working in me. I'm going to be changed. God's going to do great things. I want to work with Him. You ought to aim high in your resolves. I admire Christians who have that in them to say, I believe. I believe God's doing something good. I believe he's going to do something in me. I, I mean, I got respect for that. I don't know who any of these famous people are, but I do know who Pinky and the Brain are. And I, you, me, you may not know who they are, but anyway, there's a cartoon in the mid, early 90s when my little kids were, were my big kids were, were little, and Pinky and the Brain, they're two lab rat, mat, rat, rats, I guess, mice, something, I don't know what they're, they're white rodents, okay? And uh, every, every episode starts this way. Pinky says to the Brain, what are we going to do today? And the Brain answers the same every single episode. He said, same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. Anybody seen that? Try to, I mean, and every, every episode, they try to take over the world, all right? They don't ever get it done because they're lab rats. But, you know, you're a born-again believer. And ought not you have a little bit of that in you? That what is God doing in me? And a confidence and, a, and an excitement that, man, God is changing me and transforming me. And God has resolves for me. That's, that's, did you know God has resolutions for you. I don't know that they're New Year's resolutions, but they're resolutions. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. And then notice this, according to the purpose of His will. That, that little phrase, purpose of His will, in 2 Thessalonians, where we started, that, little, that, that same Greek word is translated... Fulfill every resolve for good. You see, God has a resolve. God has a purpose. God has a desire that he's making, making in you. Okay? And, and we ought to have those desires. We ought to have those, those intentions, those resolves, those purposes. It's everywhere in the scriptures, isn't it? It's everywhere. It's, God is not a God who does nothing in us. God is a God who is working in our lives to make us like Jesus and giving us a mission. This year you're going to hear a lot about making disciples, okay? I've wore you out on Christ-centered relationships. We're probably not going to back off on that, but maybe just a, just a little bit. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to really talk about, are you a disciple maker? Why, why would we talk about that? Well, because in the scriptures, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, what does he say? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things, right? I mean, that's what he says to us. He says, you, you guys go and make, you, you ought to be a disciple maker. In other words, that's a resolve in your life. You ought to be a disciple maker. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why are you created? For good works. And then notice, notice the scripture. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, so God's got these good works laid out for you and I that we should walk in them. All right, so, so what have we learned so far? 
that if you're a born-again believer, that God's, God's got resolutions for you. God's got intentions. God's got desires. God's got purposes in your life. He is going to make you. He's, he's, want, he's desiring. He's purposing. He's intending through his spirit to make you into the image of Jesus Christ and to give you a mission in this world. All right? Now, second of all, that is ever-progressing. Okay? Now, if any of you went into spiritual retirement at the end of 2014, so you hit that magic age and, 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 and you, you, you spiritually checked out, you're like, okay, I've gone far enough. I am, I'm a perfect Christian. I'm whatever, okay? No, no. You, you are not and you do not and you should not do that, okay? Second Peter chapter 1 is a, is a, uh, a, a passage we're going to look at uh, here in just a minute about resolutions, okay? But at the end of that passage, it says this in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, increasing, okay? In other words, the qualities of Christ, okay, the character of Christ ought to be in you and, so number one, in you, number two, and increasing, okay? Getting bigger, more, all right, and, and that's why no Christian can ever say, you know what, I've arrived. I'm good enough. I don't need to make any resolves. I'm fine just the way I am. That's not the spirit of the New Testament. Here's Paul at the end of his life. He's in a Roman prison cell. He, he's literally spent his life sharing the gospel, okay? And what does he say in Philippians 3, 12? Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, okay? Paul said he's not perfect. He hasn't obtained what God's got for him. But I press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We should always be increasing. Some of you are like, well, yeah, but, but I, I, I basically got the Christian life. I mean, I'm, I'm basically, you know, where I need to be. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonian church. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Now I, I could say that about almost everybody in this room, right? I don't need to teach Bonnie Castor anything about loving her brother. She already knows that. She, she'd been taught that by God himself. She already knows that. I, I, could, I could honestly say that about Bonnie. Verse 10, for that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout my, I could say that about Bonnie. Man, you're, you're already doing this, Bonnie. I, I, I see you loving people. I see you caring for people. I see you ministering to people. I see you treating them as Christ has treated you. You're already doing that. Notice what Paul says next. But we urge you, brothers, to do this. You see that? Is that great? More and more. You see that? I mean, he's talking to a church, and he says, man, you guys, you already know this. You've already been taught by this. God's, God's done this in your life, and you're doing a great job. Now, how are you going to do it better? You see, we, we, we never, we never, do you hear that? We never come to a place in the Christian life where, man, I got it all. Man, I am just like Jesus. People, people, people have a hard time telling me, but for me from Jesus all the time, you know? And I, I'm just so, so like Jesus that I don't need to. That's silly, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Okay, and so let's take our two premises so far. Number one, God's working in you to make you like Christ. He's giving you a mission in this world. And number two, that ought always be increasing. Now, when you put those two together, what does that mean? That means I need to make some resolves, right? That means I, I, I need to have a direction in my life. I need to have a goal in which I'm going. Now, now, how do I make my resolves? Well, we've just talked about it. They're everywhere in the Scripture. I mean, really, every time you open up your Bible and you read it, you ought to make some sort of godly resolve, right? Because we want to obey the Scriptures. I, I want to see Jesus for who He is, and I want to be like Him, okay? And so everywhere in the Scriptures are there. So, so number one, there's all these clear scriptural resolves. 
But then number two, there's also probably an, another category, not as important maybe, but still, still crucial, which we could call just life skills, okay? Now, what do we mean by that? Well, what we mean by that is, is that the Bible tells us this one great principle, okay? I should not be mastered by my flesh, but the Holy Spirit should be master over my flesh, okay? So you're like, what? Okay, let me show you. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, here's what Paul says, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, go back a couple, couple chapters, 6, 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. All right, and so, so there's, there's one set of resolutions that we make simply from the scriptures, Okay. Does God want you to be a disciple maker? Yep. God wants you to love your brother. Yep. I mean, there's just not there. That's clear, right? Be like Jesus, okay? There's another group, though, that, that are just, we might make, and, and they're not clear in the scriptures. For instance, does God tell me that my daughter, my daughter uh, told me, she got a text on New Year's Eve, and, and her friend from Alva, her college friend from Alva, just finished her 2014 um, resolution of running 700 miles, Okay? Now, I'll tell you, I've read Genesis to Revelation, and nowhere in there does it tell me I need to run 700 miles this year, okay? <laughs> but, but, does it tell me that I should not be mastered by laziness? Yes. Does it tell me that I should not be mastered by food? Yes. Does it tell me I should not be mastered by pleasure? Yes. Does it tell me I should not be mastered by sex? Yes. Okay. And so, so there's a category there of godly resolves that, that, that are simply, you know, maybe not clearly articulated in the scripture, but the principle that I should not be mastered that, that you may want to make. So there's kind of two categories of resolutions there. The clear scriptural, this is who Jesus is, you be like him. And then the other one, just kind of the, the mastering of our flesh and, and self con, learning self-control that is helpful for godliness, okay? Now, are there a large degree of flexibility in, in resolutions? Some yes, some no. Okay, so, so, hey, marital faithfulness, is that taught in the scriptures? Clearly. Is there any flexibility in it? No, not really, right? I mean, I'm going to obey that just as the Bible tells me to obey that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love Emma as Christ has loved the church. I'm going to be a one-woman man having eyes for only one woman. I'm going to build an intimate relationship with only her, and there's no flexibility for that. Now, are, are there... I'm supposed to... Invest in my kids spiritually. Now, there's no flexibility for that principle, right? It's everywhere in Proverbs. You read the book of Proverbs, what do you have? You've got a father, a mother. Come in, invest, 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 speak truth, speak truth. Okay, but how does that play out? Well, it could play out in game nights with your family or eating, eating around the table and doing highs and lows. It could playing tennis together, cooking meals together, reading books together, riding horses together. I mean, lots of different ways, right? There's some flexibility in how we carry those out, and, and that, that is true, okay? Now, now, why make resolves? Why not just try to do this all the time, everything all the time? Here's, here's what I want to get at. What if, what if you say, Pastor, what's your, what's your New Year's resolution? And I take my Bible... I hold it up like this, and I say, my resolution is to do everything in this book. Is that good? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? No. 
Not at all. Is it very effective? No. You know why? Now, now it's true. I am going to try that. I mean, every, every day I'm going to open up the Bible and I'm going to try to obey what I read, okay? But have you ever noticed that if you aim at everything, you're not really aiming at anything? You ever notice that? It's like me saying, you know, my resolution for my prayer life is I'm going to pray for all the missionaries. Really? All of them? <laughs> every day? I, I, here's the thing I see in the scriptures. In the scriptures, we are challenged to make our obedience visible and measurable. Visible and measurable. Here, and next time I get an opportunity to preach, I think we're going to have Jonathan Pennington. We're going to have a Southern Baptist Seminary professor probably in the pulpit next week. Okay, We've had him here before, Dr. Jonathan Pennington. I think he's going to be here again. But uh, when I come back to you in 1 John, we're going we're to hit this passage, okay? Verse 16 of chapter 3. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, okay? Now, it would be really easy for us to be like, I don't love the brothers. I don't lay down my life for the brothers, right? But what does that really mean? Notice where John goes with that. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. James says a very similar thing. In James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I've got works, but show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So, our obedience needs to be visible. It needs to be measurable. It needs to be practical, right? I mean, if we come out of here every Sunday saying, I don't love God, I don't love my brother. Well, that's, that's great. That's the right answer. But you know what? What is liable to happen is, does that ever really take flesh? Does that ever really? Here, let me give you an illustration. What if you tell me, hey, Pastor Jason, what's, what's your New Year's resolution in 2015? I say, I'm going to start my own business. You're like, really? Huh? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to sell stuff that people want. And you're like, well, well what are you going to sell? Stuff people want. And you're like, Okay, you don't get anywhere with that question. So you're like, well, what, what's, your, what's your business plan? Well, I'm going to buy stuff cheap and I'm going to sell it high. Okay, now, if all I answer is stuff like, now, let me ask you this. Is that true? Are those things, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that'd be a good business, right? I mean, buying stuff, selling stuff people want and, and, and buying low and selling high, that's a good business, okay? But if all I give you is those kind of answers, let me ask you a question. Are you going to invest in my company? If you are, please see me afterward. <laughs> what, what, would you, what would you know? Number one, I'm not very serious about this. Number two, I haven't thought it through. And so, wouldn't the same thing be true? If, if every, every day you open up your Bible and, and, and all, all that comes out is some generic big thing, well, are, you really, are you really serious about this? Are you, have you really thought this through? Have you really fleshed out? What, what does it mean to love my brother? Now, if, if, if you say, man, God's really convicted me that I need to love my, my 
my, my brother, my neighbor. And I'm like, wow, okay, how are you going to do that? And you tell me something like this. Well, I'll tell you what, in the next three weeks, I'm going to learn everybody in my Sunday school class's name. And then the next month and a half, I'm going to learn everybody who comes consistently to my service. I'm going to learn their name. All right, now I know you're serious, right? I know you're serious because you just told me you're going to start that process. You're going to get up, and, 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 and when this thing ends, you're like, I don't know that guy's name over there. I'm going to go over there and know his name, and I'm going to write it down, all right? Now, again, is that all there is to loving your neighbor? No, but it's hard to love people if you don't know their name, isn't it? Except for my wife. My wife can do that somehow. I, I remember being at the gym with her, and, and uh, she'd be on the treadmill. I'd come around the corner, and she'd be crying. The lady beside her would be crying. They'd be talking, you know, you know, thank you for those words. You know, encourage, you know, I'll, I'll be praying for your kid. And, you know, we'd get in the car, and like, who is that? And I don't know. You know, and I'm like, how do you not know their name? But anyway, for most of us, we got to learn people. If you tell me you're going to love your neighbor, and then and you say, well, how are you going to do that? Well, my husband and I, or my wife and I, we've decided that every second Tuesday of the month, we're going to invite a family over to share a meal, and, and we're going to see what, what we can do to pray for that family. Okay. I believe you now, right? I mean, your, your obedience is visible. It is measurable. It's practical. It's got legs. It's, it's moving. It's working, right? There, there, there's, there's, a, there's a realness to it. And again, all, all that's going to be different for everybody, right? If you're here today and you're a 13-year-old enrolled in Woodward Middle School and you're a Christian, the way that you love your, your neighbor, your brother, is probably going to be different than the senior citizen in this room, right? Maybe you're here today and you work in a maximum security prison, okay? The way that you sh- show love in your job is probably going to be different than the person that works at Walmart shows love in their job, right? I mean... Our context makes a difference. And, and, and that's really what resolutions do, is resolutions take the word of God, the truth of God, and they push it into our life, into our context. And they, they give it real action. They put flesh on it. Now, when you make res- resolution, here's another thing I hear. Well, you know, I'm not just going to do those three things. I'm man, I'm a pastor. I'm I'm a kind of guy that just you know does whatever God leads me to. Well, good, and, and we should. Okay, what well, we're not saying by resolutions that that's all I'm going to do in 2015. Okay, so please don't walk out of here today. This actually happened to me at Fifth Street. Funny. Uh, don't walk out of here today, and you have someone who approaches you, you know, with with, with a, a need. You know, they've got a housing need or a food need, and you're like. I'm sorry I can't help you. My resolution this year is to learn people's names. So what was yours, you know? George, write that down. George, I tell you what, George, 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 George. You know, next time I see you, I'm going to remember your name if you're still alive. I don't know if you will be because you don't have food or shelter, but I'm going to remember your name. Okay, that's obviously silly, okay? Obviously, we're going we're gonna to obey the Spirit of God every day, right? And that, that's one of the reasons why Christians don't make resolutions just on January 1st. Every day when I open the Scriptures... I'm seeking to do what? I'm seeking to become the person that God has made me to be. I'm going to go through that process of saying, okay, God, how do you want me to obey this? How do you want me to live this out in a real, tangible way? Now, here's the big thing that we've all been waiting for. How? How are we going to keep these resolutions? Because here's the reality, right? This is true. We all know it's true. We all know it's true. There's a whole bunch of people that are at the gym January 2nd that have already given up their membership March 1st, right? That's true, right? There's a whole bunch of people who are resolved to lose weight until they get hungry, right? I mean, they write it down and, you know, they don't get hungry for an hour, so it's all good for an hour, you know, until they get... I mean, 
We all know that we've done those things, right? There's probably people in here that have resolved to read through the Bible like six times in their life, you know? Read through the Bible in a year, and they, every time they get to Leviticus 11, and they give up, you know? It's like, man, I can't take any more of this killing boxing and stuff, you know? And so, so how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to have success? Well, let me tell you how we're going to have success. Number one, we're not going to depend on trying harder. These folks... That's probably all they got. That's all they got is, I'm going to try hard. Well, trying hard, when you, when you add in the pressures of life and the struggles of life and the pain of life and the busyness of life, what happens to your try? I mean, it's not that you don't have good intentions, you do, but your try harder meter goes to zero, right? And so what's the key to a believer being transformed into the image of Jesus? Number one, the power of God. Number two, the promises of God, okay? Please don't forget those. Power of God, promises of God. Power of God, faith in the promises of God. Faith in who God is, what he said, what he's done, what he will do, what he's told us he'll do, okay? So those two elements are crucial for our transformation and obedience. Now, let me show you that in the scriptures, okay? Because again, I don't want this just to be, here's what I think about stuff, guys. All right, so go to 2 Peter. Okay, go there in your Bibles, turn there in the back, 2 Peter. If you were in 1 Thessalonians, it's about 10 pages toward the back. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay, here we go. We're going we're gonna to see this right in the scriptures. This is a sanctification passage. 2 Peter 1, 3. Okay, ready? Here we go. His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. All right, so God's power is going to give us everything we need for life and godliness, all right? So where, where does the power come from here? Not from me, not from trying harder. It's gonna come from God. And God is never limited in power. God never runs out of steam. God never hits the wall. God never runs out of gas, okay? None of that ever happens. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has the power, okay? So his divine power granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. All right, now go to verse four. By which he has granted to us, here's what God's given us, his precious and very great promises so that through them through the promises you may become to partakers of the divine nature what's the divine nature that's who jesus is divine god nature his character okay so we become like jesus through the promises of god through what god has said in his word through who he is okay through faith in god now look at verse five for this very reason Make every effort. There's your resolve. You see that? God's not going to do it as you sit in your lazy chair, okay? Make every effort to supplement your faith with, and then he lists virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly, all kinds of great resolutions, okay? He's not specific because he's not applying it to his own context. He's telling us to do that, okay? All right, so, so what do we find in this, in this passage real quick here, okay? We got... By God's power, through God's promises, we make every effort to add these things to our life. Now, some of you are still skeptical, so we're going to look at it again in another passage, okay? 2 Thessalonians 1, the, the passage we started with. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, 12. Here we go. To this end, Paul's praying, I pray that God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. Okay, your Bible may say every good purpose, every good intention, something like that, okay? But basically, you are, you are resolving, you are intending, you are purposing, you are desiring good, okay? How? Keep reading. 
every work of faith, okay, faith in God's promises, faith in God, faith in God's character, by His power. Same thing, okay? By God's power, through God's promises, we make resolutions for good. Now, what does this mean? Well, this means this. Here's the best thing. Are you ready for the best thing in the whole passage, whole sermon? You're like, yeah, it's been bad all the, all the way. Give us something good, okay? Whatever resolution you make, here's the question you need to ask. What do I need to believe about Jesus, about God, that will enable me to keep this resolve? That's, that's, there's power right there. That is where the power is, okay? God's got all this power, and it's going to come into my life through faith in Him, okay? So what do I need to believe about Him that's going to release His power into my life that's going to enable me to keep my resolve? Right, that, it, it's by His power through faith in Him. Okay, so let's say, let's give an example here. So let's say you make a resolution to pray for 30 minutes every morning before you go to work. All right, that, is that, that's a great resolution, isn't it? That's tops. Awesome, okay? First of all, is it biblical? Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we can find that in every book of the Bible almost, right? They, that's who God wants us to be, people who communicate with him, who, who come to him for all that we need. All right, that's everywhere. So we know it's biblical. We know it's something God wants us to have. He wants us to have that close relationship with him in prayer. Okay, so we're going to do it. But if we just try harder, what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen, right? Your alarm's not going to go off, Right? That happens, right? You're, uh, you can't sleep because the baby wakes you up all night. Um, you can't sleep because you got restless leg syndrome. Um, your spouse has a sinus infection and they chainsaw a rick of wood all night long. Right? You don't get any sleep. Um, your boss calls at 11 o'clock. I need you to be there an hour early tomorrow. There went your, your whole plan, right? You get up in the morning. You got your Bible. You recognize the dog uh, who needs a soulmate, evidently has peed on the carpet, right? And now you got a mess to clean up. And what are you going to do? And, and you open up the refrigerator. The kids go to get their cereal. You got your Bible. Kid, Mom, we got no, no milk. There's no milk. And then you got five kids, cereal bowls, no milk. What are you going to do? Right? All of that happens, and that's what zaps our try harder, right? And we don't do it. So here's the question. What do you need to believe about Jesus that's going to push you through all that to relentlessly pray? Well, man, lots of stuff. But let's, let's, just, let's just pick some things. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. These are promises. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. Everyone who, who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be open. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Mark chapter 11. Um, verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, now that's power, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. For whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who's in heaven may forgive you as well. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if I am believing those things about prayer, so I make a resolution to pray, and then what do I do? 
man, I am in the word and I am believing what God says about prayer. What did God say about prayer in those passages we just read? What did he promise? Number one, he promised that there's power in it, okay? When you take Pike's Peak and throw it in the Gulf of Mexico, there's power in that, okay? And what does that teach me? That teaches me that there's more power in God's middle little finger in a millisecond than my effort with everything I got all my life. What if I believe that? Now, you know how we work. For me to believe that, I gotta come back to it again and again and again and again and again. And I'm believing, man, there is power in prayer. There's power to change things. There's power to, to affect my life. There's power to transform me. There's power in the gospel. There's power in coming to God. And, and that it's access through prayer that God responds when I pray. And I believe that. Okay, if I really believe that, I'm gonna pray, right? Not because I'm trying harder. Not because I made a resolution. I'm going to pray because, man, that's what I need, isn't it? That's what I need. I can't handle all this other stuff. I need him. There's where the power is. There's where the word is. That's what I need to believe about Jesus. In every one of your resolves, you resolve to be a gospel witness. What, What do you need to believe about Jesus to make that happen? You resolve to read the scripture. What do you need to believe about Jesus? What do you need to believe about God? You resolve to love your, your uncle who's a real jerk to you most of the time. What do you need to believe about Jesus to make that work? Man, you, you, whatever your resolve is, what do you need to believe about him? That's where the power is, by God, through faith. Last thing. What about when we blow it? Here's where people get off the rails, isn't it? Because let's be honest, if you've tried to read through the Bible six times, six straight years, and you always get to Leviticus and you always blow it, what happens? You, start, you stop making resolutions. Why? It's too hard just to go through that guilt, isn't it? It's too discouraging. I'd rather just not make a resolution. Okay, stop right there. You don't have that option, okay? God's not done working in you. He's not done, so you can't be done. Right? You just don't have that option. And number two, you got to realize this. Christians fall and fail differently than everybody else. Okay? How do I know that? Well, if you've been with us in 1 John, the last time I was with you, <clears throat> 1 John 3, 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. What does that say? A believer will not stay down, correct? He won't stay in sin. He won't. Does he fall? Yep, 1 John 1, 8. We can't say that we haven't sinned, but he falls differently. Have you ever noticed that little kids fall differently than older people? You ever notice that? We were at the Grand Canyon the other day, and uh, second day we were there, we, we, we tr- picked another trail, Bright Angel Trail, and we're going down in the interior of the ca- canyon, but Bright Angel Trail is kind of, Kind of in this, kind of, I don't know, this canyon type. It's the Grand Canyon. I don't know how to explain it. The sun doesn't hit the top of the trail. Okay. All right. So first quarter mile was ice. I mean, it was snowpack, slick ice. All right. And so we are going, you know, slow. We got our, 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 uh, our poles, you know. I got a little haven by the hand. Because the last thing you want to do when you're seven-year-old going on vacation in the Grand Canyon is, that's bad. All right. So I got her by the hand. Three times before the first tunnel. Three times before we got to even the first tunnel. She goes down. 
But I, I noticed something about her. She falls differently than most of us fall, okay? In fact, I would say it's not hardly even a fall, it's a bounce, you know? I mean, it's kind of a boom, boom, you know, and she's right back up. And, and here's the cool thing about the way that she fell, okay? There was no discouragement. There was no slowing down. There was no despairing. There was no blaming. There was no dwelling on it. There was no consideration of quitting at all, okay? In fact, what I began to notice is every time she fell, she got up and went harder, you know? It's almost like, she's like, uh-uh, you know? Baby, okay? If that had been one of us, some of you, one time, we're down, we're done, we're quitting, calling the copter, man. Get me out of here, flight, right? That's it. Okay. Spiritually, how do you fall? How do you fail? Remember First John a couple months ago? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember that? Remember that? Remember the next verses, my little children, chapter 2, verse 1. I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. How do we fall, man? When we fall, we bounce. We fall, we sin, we immediately confess that to God. We don't want to stay there. We are not willing to stay down there. We're not willing to dwell in sin. We're not willing to be at odds with our Father. We're not willing to be out of fellowship with Him. And so we bounce up confessing and embracing all that Jesus, our champion, is for us. And then we resolve all the more by His power, through faith in His promises, that we might be like Him. That's the way we fall. So this morning, if if you're here and you've kind of settled into this I'm not going to aim for anything because I'll just blow it. Not acceptable, folks. Not acceptable. You need to have specific areas of your life that you are saying, God, change me. I know you want to. I know your power's there. God, I'm an angry person, and I know I shouldn't be an angry person. I shouldn't be an angry Christian. God, I'm an impatient Christian. I shouldn't be that. I know that's not your plan for me. God, I'm a Christian who doesn't disciple anybody. God, I'm a Christian who doesn't have a good prayer life. God, I'm a Christian who doesn't know the Scriptures. God, I know that's not your plan. And I may have failed in the past, but the blood of Jesus covers my failures. And today I'm resolving by your power and through faith in your promises that I will be the person that God's called me to be through you through you, for your glory. We, not just January 1 or January 4. Man, this ought to be every day of our lives, ought it not? Every day. We ought to be a resolving people. So, what's your godly resolves? I'll probably be asking you, so get some ready. Father, help us. Lord, I want to pray just what Paul prayed. Um, Paul loved the church at Thessalonica, and I think that's why he prayed this prayer. And and Lord, we love our church, and so, Lord, we want to pray for each other. God, that you would fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by your power that Jesus may be glorified at Lincoln Avenue, that Jesus may be glorified in us. God, I pray that we might see wonderful things Evidences, visible evidences of transformation. God, if there are Christians here who have settled into retirement, God, call them out. God, call them out today. God, bring them out of retirement. Not from their jobs, but from their spiritual life, God. Bring them them into active, fruitful labor for the king. 
Father, if there are those here today who are discouraged, maybe they've, they've tried and tried and, and they just got no more try in them. Father, I pray that you would, you would just remind them of your promises, remind them of your power available to them. And God, do, do great things in us. Make us like Jesus. Father, we ask it in Christ's name.